Well, uh, thank you, Brother Paul. I, uh, I appreciate those kind words. And uh, I think we've heard uh, two exceptional messages tonight already. Um, we've heard a good message from Brother Mark Kendall and a good message from Bob and uh, pertinent towards this time. And I'm glad for everybody who's been able to, to join. I know you guys don't know how many people are on the call, but I can tell you right now there's over 40 people on the call. So we've, we've got a really good, good turnout tonight. My main focus tonight is, is actually going to be just before the trial and crucifixion of Christ. And I want to talk about Jesus' high priestly prayer in John chapter 17. It's in this prayer that he shows us that he not only had his disciples and his followers at that time in mind while he was heading to the cross, he actually had you and he had me and he had all of those who would believe on him in his mind as well. So if you would please turn in your Bibles to John chapter 17. And we will start reading in verse 7. The Word of God says this, Now they know that everything you have given me is from you, for I have given them the words that you gave me, and you have received them and have come to know in truth that I came from you. And they have believed that you have sent me. I am praying for them. I am not praying for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. All mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. And I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, keep them in your name, which you have given me, that they may be one, even as we are one. While I was with them, I kept them in your name, which you have given me. I have guarded them, and not one of them has been lost, except the son of destruction, that the scriptures might be fulfilled. But now I am coming to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves." I have given them your word, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in truth. Your word is truth. And as you sent me into the world, so have I sent them into the world. And for their sake I consecrate myself, so that they may be sanctified in the truth. And I do not ask for these only but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they may also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. Let's pray. Father God, we just thank you tonight as we reflect on what you uh, did for us through your Son so many years ago. Lord, we don't understand why you decided to save us when we did not deserve to be saved, but you did. And we thank you for that, Lord. Give me the words to speak now. In Jesus' name, amen. It says, I am praying for them. This is what Jesus says in verse 9. I am praying for them, not for the whole world. Jesus here, he's, he's thinking of his sheep, and he's thinking of his sheep alone. He's praying for his elect, those who would believe in his name. And what a comforting prayer this is to those of us who now know the whole story of the events that transpired. But as I mentioned earlier, Jesus, he was thinking about you and me on the cross as well. He said in verse 20, I'm not only asking for these, that being his disciples, but I ask those for those who would believe through their word. Those who would believe the word that the disciples gave through the apostles and the written word that is the Bible. How comforting it is to know exactly what Christ was meditating on with the Father as He got ready for His passion, for His death, for His crucifixion, to take our punishment in our place. 
See, we have a God and Savior who cares about us in the most intimate ways. There's nothing that He holds back from us. He laid it all on the line. He knew His hour had come. He knew He was about to die. And He was, worried about, he was not worried about the pain that He was going to suffer. He was not worried about the torture, the mockery, the shame, the humiliation, the pain that He would endure on the cross. No, He was concerning Himself with you and He was concerning Himself with me. What a Savior. It would be just in the following moments after he finished praying this prayer that he would head out to Gethsemane with the disciples, the garden where Judas would betray him, where Simon Peter would attack the high priest's servant, cutting off his ear, and where Jesus would perform yet another miracle in the midst of that trial and tribulation, in the midst of being arrested, he performs that last miracle before his resurrection to heal that ear. What a Savior. He was completely selfless. He was God. He, he didn't have to do any of this. He could have let us die in our own sin and spend eternity in hell. After all, that would be justice. But that's not what He did. No, church, He made a way for us to be saved. He showed mercy and compassion, grace that is greater than all of our sin, as the old hymn says. We all know the story Jesus would go through several trials that night over the next few hours from the Jewish leaders to the Roman leaders and there and back again. He was flogged, beaten, bruised, cut, torn. A cat of nine tails is what the whip they used would have been called. It would have had shards of bone and metal tied into the leather straps so that it would actually rip off the flesh right off the person's back. It was brutal. It was excruciating. The soldiers, they mocked him, forced that crown of thorns on his head, putting a robe on him and saying, Hail to the king of the Jews. Look at your king. And then they beat him some more. Of course, Jesus, he, he knew what the outcome of all this would be. He knew it could only end one way. A sentence to death. As the crowd sat out there in front of Pilate. They said, crucify him, crucify him. They just yelled, crucify him. And so they crucified him. The place of the skull, Golgotha, Calvary. They crucified him, fulfilling every prophecy about the Messiah's earthly ministry and what must happen and what would be accomplished. And this had to be endured. Why? Not because Jesus did anything wrong. It had to be endured because of you. It had to be endured because of me. We're the reason he had to endure the cross. It was our sin, our shame, our punishment that he endured. It wasn't his. He was perfect, sinless. He was God. And yet he took our punishment in our place, standing in for us. As Isaiah 53, 4-7 says, Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed. He was afflicted. Yet he opened not his mouth like a lamb that is led to the slaughter. And like a sheep that before its shears is silent, so he opened not his 
mouth. It was our place, our punishment that he took. What a savior. What a savior. What a God we serve here tonight on Good Friday, 2020. And in our passage tonight, we see that he did it all for our sake, for the love of his children, the ones that the father had given to him. That was what was on his mind. Friends, think about that. When we think about that and we think about the fact that Jesus prayed for you and he prayed for me on that night when his torture would begin, knowing full well, knowing full well the wickedness that would be inside of all of us during our lifetime, knowing every sin that we would ever commit against him, he prayed for us to the Father. He prayed that the Father would keep us. He prayed that the Father would have us guarded and that we would be sanctified in the truth of his word. That we would be consecrated to Him, set apart, so that the world would know of His love for us. Again, what a Savior. And tonight, as, as we close, Brother Paul will be coming back on in, in a minute after I pray. But I want us to think about something. I, I want us to reflect on what Christ did for us on that Friday. I want us to think about how that it is often taken so much for granted I know I do. I don't give enough reverence to Christ who endured all of that pain, all of that torture, all of that excruciating punishment for me. I don't love him as I should, and I think if we're honest with ourselves, none of us do. None of us do. You know, in recent days, we've heard a lot about recommitting to doing the things that we need to do to to beat the health crisis that we are in. You know, recommitting to what they call social distancing, recommitting to, to doing all these things. But tonight as Christians, I want us to hear a different call. I want us to hear a different call. We need to recommit. We need to recommit to living lives that are worthy of what Christ did for us on that cross. Lives that are worthy of fulfilling the prayer that Christ prayed for us in John chapter 17. Let's recommit tonight, church, as we reflect on what Christ did on that cross and going into this Easter Sunday. Let us recommit, recommit to Christ, recommit to honoring the sacrifice that he made through the way we live. Let us pray. Father, we just thank you, Lord, as I said, for for everything that you've done for us, Lord, which you did so many years ago on that cross. Lord, we did not deserve it but you had mercy and showed us grace, Lord. And God, please let us, like I said, recommit, Lord. Let us recommit to living lives worthy of that calling, worthy of that honor that you bestowed on us to be called your children. And let us never forget or take for granted what the cross means. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Brother Paul.